All right. We have guests this morning. Everyone say hi to our guests. <laughs> you can uh, maybe introduce yourselves. So. Welcome. South Point is so cool. Who has been in South Point? Yeah. Who has gone to the cliff to jump? Oh, so fun. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twice. The third one, I was like, oh, I'm fine for my life. <laughs> <laughs> what? I never learned at the end of the like, world. It's dangerous. <laughs> All right. Um, what else? Muy bien, muy bien. Voy a hablar en español más. Con ustedes, Samantha. I'm, I'm kind of, can we... Can we do something here? I'm, I'm scared, you know. Can we, can you guys come over here if that's okay? Um, uh, well, let's just, we've, we're less people. But yeah, and Sam can sit here too. I just, it's just so empty. <laughs> It'd be great. Or one or some, it would just be really nice. Okay, well, Lauren, it'd be great if you can be here because then you don't get sick. <laughs> Sam, it'd be great. And Iris is here too. Yay! Thank you. Awesome. Good morning, everyone. Did you guys have a good evening last night? What did you do? <laughs> awesome. That's exciting. Great. Okay. Well, what I thought we could do is start the day a little bit differently. Um, I've been hearing a lot about, okay, first of all, here's a little um, announcement. At 3.30 today, I know some of you have work duty, but those who are finished are welcome to come to the Ohana Court at 3.30 to 5, because um, a Jim Wilder is going to come and speak, and he's speaking in the um, methods of m biblical counseling, method of methodologies, and he's talking a lot on the brain. He's an expert on the brain and neuroscience, and he talks about, uh, just it's just great. Um, and yeah, it's amazing. Neurotheologian, and just and he gives you like um, exercises and how to like physically do things to help um, connect to your, the right side of your brain, which is the one that talks to God. So it's really really good. And I, I actually was 
um, doing a bit of that this weekend with one of the <laughs> young Shin was helping me and I was crying and praying and trying to connect with God. <laughs> so, you know, we all need to connect with him. So 3.30 to 5, we're all going to be there. Staff is going to be there. And so I just Im- invite you, if you don't have work duty or if you, when you finish, just come along. It's going to be awesome. Um, and one of the main things in connecting to God is to find appreciation moments. And another word of appreciation is thanks. So what we're going to do is we're going to do an exercise in thanks this morning. So can everybody get out pens and papers or put a new blank page? And uh, now I need to do something over here. So what we're going to do, do you guys need paper? Yeah. Sam is grabbing. All good. Okay. What we're going to do now, I'm just getting it ready, is we're going to spend five minutes writing down everything that we are thankful for. Not everything, but writing down in in that time, or until I say stop, write down everything that you're thankful for. And you might think, oh, I'm thankful for loads of things, but actually it gets a little bit hard afterwards. So I think if we can put a little bit of music on, is that okay? And in that time, so really you're just asking anything. It could be anything. I'm thankful for Sam's hair this morning. You know, it can be anything. <laughs> just things that you that, that are really, that are true, that you are thankful for. Um, don't Don't make the whole thing a big joke, but... Um, I'm thankful for that I woke up on time this morning. I am thankful for my family. You know, ev- just just list it, list it, list it. And when it finds difficult, think of just anything that you can say you're thankful for. So we're going to do that um, right now, okay? So until I say stop.
Right. Finish what you started writing. Okay, how was that? Did you find things to be thankful for? Did you kind of run out a little bit and kind of was just like, what should I say now? Found out things? Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to stand up. And these are things we're thankful to the Lord for, right? So we're going to stand up. Everybody. <laughs> and we're going to take what we've, um, what we've written, everything that we're thankful for, and we're going to thank Him all, out, all together. We're going to say, thank you, Lord. And we're going to say, thank you, Lord, for, and then we're just going to just shout it out to him. I wrote little, some sentences in mine and things like that. So um, we're just going to spend the next few minutes doing that. And, and it's not going to be like, thank you, Jesus, for a minute, a minute. But we're, gonna, we're really grateful for what the Lord has given us, right? He's given us life. He's given us everything that we need um, for this life in him. So we're going to activate our ourselves this morning, and we're going to wake, wake ourselves up. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to be like, so for example, I, I will start here like, Lord, I thank you for my students, Lord, I thank you for Jesus, he died for me, I thank you for music, Lord, I thank you for YWAM, my family. So we're, we're kind of going like that. And if we're all going together, who cares what other people beside you hear? They're just going to be excited that you're thankful for something, okay? Are you ready? So I'm also going to be like, looking towards here. So everybody's just, and, and this is to the Lord. We're thanking the Lord and we're getting, we're remembering who he is. So we'll spend like a couple of minutes doing that. Don't rush, but just let's do it. Let's use our voices and let's shout. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay. Ready, steady, go. together, Lord. We thank you what you've given us, God. Thank you for your life, Lord. Thank you that you are our lifeline, Lord Jesus. And I thank you for the people here, Lord. I thank you, God, that you've given us everything that we need, Lord Jesus. Thank you for tea, Lord. Uh, thank you. But yeah, thank you, Lord. Amen. I, I thanked puppies. I was thankful for puppies. So, so, how, how, how grateful are we this morning? He has given us so much. He has given us everything that we need. Can you pass me my guitar, please? And we're just going to stay standing, and we're just going to invite um, the Holy Spirit to come.
Let's stay in let's stay in the atmosphere of just joy and thankfulness to the Lord. Because he is the one that, that's done it all. We've not done anything of our own strength. So we thank thankful to him, but yeah.
Wonderful. Okay, what are some of the things that for, because for those of us who weren't here yesterday and for Cheryl and the gang, um, and what are some of the things that we learned yesterday? What were some of the main points from yesterday? Holy Spirit is a person. And what makes the Holy Spirit a person? He thinks, has a mind, feels, wills. Mm -hmm. Different actions of the Holy Spirit. Um, awesome. And what, one other main point that I wanted to make yesterday. What was that? It's not on here. Active. He's replacement of Jesus, therefore we need him. We need the Holy Spirit. We can't do this life without him. It's going to be way too hard. So these are some of the verses that we use to show that um, the Holy Spirit is a person because an a person is an entity that has um, m uh, mind, feelings, and emotions, like a will no, will, emotions, and a mind. So um, we see that the Holy Spirit is all of those things. So that's what we talked about yesterday. We also had um, a look at the names of the Spirit. And these are all the, the different names of the Spirit in the Bible. Um, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Jesus, this Holy Spirit of promise, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of judgment. Um, spirit of holiness, the oil of gladness, and and from this we understood that he is everything that we need. So if you're feeling sad, if you need joy, you can go to Holy Spirit for that. If you if you're having trouble on like a school assignment, you can ask for Holy the Spirit of wisdom and revelation, because he has wisdom and knowledge. If you're having trouble um, in certain areas of sin, you can ask for the spirit of holiness and spirit of the knowledge of the fear of the Lord. So he has everything that we need um, in this life. So we really need Holy Spirit. So hang on. How do I go back? So what I wanted to talk to you today, you had a little bit of a sneak peek. Um, Holy Spirit 
really helps us in our day-to-day -day life. He really helps us um, as we're walking, as we're breathing, as we do life. Um, and we as worship leaders, we can really, really make use of him. And God is after men and women who partner with the Holy Spirit in everyday life. To live and walk in the fullness that he has for them, but people that would also allow themselves to be led, allow themselves to be loved and refined by the Holy Spirit, and whose characters are defined by the character of God and the fruits of the Spirit. It says in, um, that the Holy Spirit comes to bear testimony, bear witness of who Jesus Christ is. So if the Holy Spirit is to bear testimony of Jesus in our lives, does our life bear testimony of Jesus? And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today. And I want to turn our attention to David. Hang on. Oh. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that's a cloud. That's not David. It was just a pretty picture. Um, David is one of my heroes in the Bible, and you can't have a worship school without really anybody talking about David. I know Daniel talked a little bit about him last week and used him as some examples. The story of King David is found in First and Second Samuel, and a lot of what happened is in Chronicles and Kings as well, as it talks about when he reigned. And... David was described as the man after God's own heart, and God himself described him that way um, as he chose David. Um, so yeah, he is someone who remained real, but he allowed God to be involved in his everyday life and everyday decisions. So what do we know about David? So I'm just going to put this here. David was the youngest of five sons, I think, in the tribe of Jesse, and not the tribe of Jesse. His father was Jesse. He was in the tribe of Benjamin. And um, Samuel was the prophet in those days. He was the prophet, and he had originally anointed Saul as king. And Saul was meant to be the king, but he didn't do things right. And God needed another king who would do things according to his way. So Samuel then took a call from the Lord and he went down to the house of Jesse where the Lord sent him and to go and anoint the king. Five, was it four, was it five sons? I can't remember. But anyway, the, the whole of the, the clan were there except for David. He was out tending the sheep, as we know, and... Samuel and God had this conversation and God was like, nope, that's not him. I look to the, uh, I don't look on the outward appearances, but I look on the heart. And I love how, how the Lord says that. And he's like, he totally just called Samuel out. He's like, you, you know, this is what you're looking at, right? <laughs> you're totally looking on the outsides, but it is actually the heart that I go for. And that's in... First Samuel. I'm going to go to that because it's a really cool story. Okay. It's um, First Samuel, verse 16. And 
No. It's not. It's before. No, wait. Hang on. Is 16.7. Okay. The fan blew it away. Yeah. 16.7, it says, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the, uh, at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So then they called him to go find David, and then David comes back. And one of my favorite things um, is when he comes, it says here, it says, So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. I, I just find it really funny that he still then showed, like, it describes him as being really handsome, you know, after saying all of that. So you can be good looking and have a good heart. So <laughs> um, so, yeah, I like that part. Um, so, King David was about 15 at that time when he was anointed as king. But he, it wasn't for a long time until he received that. He then went into work with King Saul. He fought Goliath the giant, kicked his butt, and he did that all with the Lord's help. He ended up working, playing music for Saul and helped him calm down. So whenever he was having an anger moment, whenever he was frustrated, David came, played his music, and the Lord brought a spirit of peace. So that's what he did. He was also a commander of an army. He married Saul's daughter. So there's a lot of things that he did. David then um, ended up being in hiding because Saul was very, very jealous and angry of him and was in hiding for, for years trying to get away from him. Eventually, Saul dies. He, David becomes king. And you hear the story of Bathsheba where he commits um, adultery and ends up killing a man. Not good on your part, David. And then, but it talks of how he then goes on to, he's bring, I don't, he brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. David invents instruments. He starts the whole choir thing happening. He starts singing to the Lord um, in, our, in the times of sacrifices and offerings. So David was a creative, artif, art, artistic type. Um, and he wasn't afraid to bring that in to his worship to God. So, was very, so that's a lot of who David is. He built the temple, and he's one of the ones, if you look in, the, in kings, the good kings are always described as after the reign of David. So they do what David, like they had the heart of David kind of thing. So those are always the good kings. So, and he would live, David's lineage was to produce the Messiah. So he's a very important character in the Bible. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about how, how, what made David a man after God's own heart? What gave him that title? How, you know, he's so special. What's so special about David? So then I thought, well, let's have a look. David was a 
man of honor. And we can see that in his life. David honored his family. He knew his place. He got the not-so-glamorous job of looking after the sheep. <laughs> and he did it with everything he had. He killed lions and bears so that he could do that. He got overlooked by, by his family because of where he was in his order of the, um, of, of the family. He had to do all the chores and things like that. So we know that he did a great job because he killed lions and bears. He shepherded those sheep well. Um, and do you think that he would have had pretty tough environments? You know, he's all alone pretty much with sheep, alone with sheep. So he's not really alone, but he's alone with sheep. But he's facing death for this. So he didn't have a particularly great working environment. But he did it with all he had. He did it with all that he, ha he had in him and what God was giving him. So he honored his family. David honored people. His king, Saul. He was, Saul was God's anointed in David's eyes, even though David was anointed himself. David didn't step into that role because he knew that, that Saul had it, you know. So he didn't force his way in. He could have done somehow. So David even worked for him. He even knew um, Saul was a bad manager. Saul was angry. He was manipulative. He was flying off the handle at every moment. But Saul... Stuck, his gun, stuck to his guns and honored him. He even tried to kill him, <laughs> like through throwing the spear at him in his workplace. I mean, any one of us would have been like, that's it, I'm going home and never coming back. But David came back. David knew his duty. So he had, like, Saul was someone that he could totally hate, totally have on his his enemy list, and he technically he was his enemy. But Saul, through obedience, ob obeyed him and honored him and worked for him eventually until he went on the, on the run. When Saul was off, oh yeah, David, yeah, sorry, until David went on the run. So David was fleeing from kill King Saul and the army, and he fled to the caves, and this is in the cave of Dulam. It says, 1 Samuel 22, verse 2. All of those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, 400 people, and he became their commander and their leader. Can you imagine if everyone, like you were by yourself, you're on the run, someone's going to kill you, you're, you're freaking out anyway, and you're like... I mean, I hate, you know those dreams you have when someone's chasing you? Imagine just that being real life. And, and you feel alone, so you're kind of like, Lord, send me some people. And he sends, okay, how about all of the ones who are in distress or in debt or discontented? So all of the grumbly people, all of the down and outs go and join David. So he's like, okay, I guess I can be their leader. And... 
I don't know if I could have done it. <laughs> like just, just David's character to, em to embrace 400 people and become their commander and their leader. They became a mighty um, army. They became a force to be reckoned with, but he was their leader. Sometimes we can complain about the people that the Lord brings into our lives, but perhaps he's bringing them into your lives for a reason. Maybe he wants you to be a leader. Has he sent you to a cave? Has he taken you to, like, have you had a job and you've been like, I really don't know why I'm here, but I don't get, can't get any other job. What the heck is happening? It may be that he wants to teach you something in that, but also that you could be an honoring and loving to the people around you. So... All that to say is your circumstances aren't always going to be how you want it. Um, but David ended up loving these guys, these 400 complainers in debt. Like they didn't even bring food. They had nothing. So I, I can't imagine what it was like. I would like to like look at those videos in uh, when I get to heaven. I'll be like, David, what did you do? And I wonder if there was manna from heaven even then. Um, he turned that sorry lot into a mighty army. I, uh, I once, when I came to Sweden and I started a job, it was a great job. It was exactly the one I needed. If I didn't get that job, then I would have had to go home. Like I knew that God sent me to Sweden and that he was going to provide. But it was very last minute and I was like, Lord, I need a job tomorrow. If I don't get a job this week, I'm pretty much going to have to go back home to England because I've run out of money. And that the day after I got a job as a, an English and Swedish daycare worker. And so it was perfect. And I didn't need a degree to work there, which was awesome. But the problem was the, the woman who I was working for, she was kind of crazy <laughs> she would like she would be fine one morning and then the next day be completely controlling and manipulative and and like you'd feel stressed every time she came in the room and you just did not know what to do and so and I had someone in my life that was that was like that before and I was like I thought I had run away from you you know like I thought you <laughs> I left you but so here I was at this work, and I ended up staying there for two years um, under that. And so it's, it's kind of crazy. But God used it, and she ended up coming to church, actually, one day. She came on, like, an Easter service, and that was a blessing. Um, but, yeah, we all will be put into different places that we might not necessarily feel uh, comfortable with or at home or... There might be people there that we think, if only they went there, this, is, this would be the best. But we have to honor them. We have to see them through God's eyes, like David did. You know, when they, he was in the cave and Saul came, Saul, now his enemy, now wants to take his life, comes and instead of killing him, Saul has compassion on him. And says, how dare I kill the king? I love you. You know, basically declares his love for Saul. And then through David's action, Saul melts and doesn't kill him. 
but I don't know, like, would, would I have that humility to do that to somebody who is killing me? Would I be able to turn around and, s and like, stand there or wanting to this person? I don't know. But that's, that's David. He was a man of honor. How do we honor the people around us? You know, there might be someone who kind of gets on our wick, kind of annoys us and we don't really want to have around, but they're there. They're stuck with us. How do we honor them? Do we ignore them? That's not very honoring. But do we see them with God's eyes and who they really are? What are how are the ways that we interact with one another? Do we kind of maybe look at, okay, well, these are the ones that I can, I, I get along well with. It's easy for me. These ones, not so. And kind of, but I'm not going to give my old, you know, I'll just stick with these. And you kind of, I'm not hurting anybody, but I'm just not, I'm just ignoring them, you know. So are there ways that we can honor and love and, and include others that might feel a bit distressed, feel a bit down and out, you know, maybe need someone to, to give them a helping hand like David did. And David had grace for 400 of them and their wives and kids. So, wow, that was a leader. Good testing of leading, leadership. What do you think? Maybe he was about to be king. <laughs> so, but it's a good example for us. When David was a man of honor, he was also a man of obedience. And we see that all through the life of David. He obeyed his father when he, he obeyed his dad. He obeyed his authorities and he obeyed his leaders. When the Lord spoke to him, he was quick to say yes. And when he was about to make a decision, he didn't just rely on his common sense or life experience, but he also inquired of the Lord. He was a really good fighter and, and a, a warrior. And he could have just, every, every time, he could have just used whatever worked last time. But there were times that he, he said, wait a minute, and inquire of the Lord. And then the Lord showed him the strategy, showed him what to do, and then he obeyed. So that was his heart of obedience. When I was um, 19, oh, can we stop recording? Just press pause for a sec. <laughs> Those hearts that say, yes, Lord, even if it looks completely crazy. And it's all about him at the end of the day as well. We give glory to him. Everything that we do is for his glory. Sometimes God, God has called you. I had a calling on my life. I mean, I was leading worship since about 17. But I, he might have called you from a very young age. And, that you, and you might not even have a, be even stepping into it yet. Or it might be that you just are. What I'm saying is it can take some time. It doesn't, when God calls us one day, it's not going to be okay and then everything's going to be fixed. He says, this is who you are. And then the journey. And that's what we see from the life of David as well. He didn't say, David, 15 years old, 
ruddy looking, which means handsome. Ruddy. It's a good word, isn't it? Ruddy. And uh, he didn't say 15 years old, you're king. And then the next day, doo -doo -doo -doo, welcome King David. It was, um, it was 15 more years until he actually became king. So God called him when he was 15. And he waited 15 whole more years. And I reckon God might have had something to teach him about leadership, about obedience. He wanted to know that his heart was his. That God could say, do this. And David would be like, yes, with all my heart and everything in between. I'll dance naked for you, Lord. And it was another seven and a half more years until the, he got the whole of the king of Israel, the kingdom of Israel. So it was Judah first, and then he had to wait another seven years to get it, the whole of Israel. So I think David knew who he was and whose he was first more than he knew what he was doing or what he was called to. So he knew God. So I just want to encourage you. So wh when you have times of frustration, God, you told me to do this, but I'm not doing this, and I want it to happen now. Like, he might be testing you. He might be putting you through a period where he's asking for you, for you to, to obey him so that he can trust you with the big things that he's got in the future. So don't worry if it's taking a little bit of time. And I think, I mean, I'm, a, I'm only 33. And I, I feel like I've done nothing. Although I know I've done a lot. I just want more. God, make it happen. I'm going to be at 50 going, I should have done more. <laughs> I hope I'm not like that. I hope I say yes to everything. Okay, David was a worshipper. And that we know. And David, he knew God. He sang, he, he sang those songs in the pastures, I reckon. There's so many of those psalms that describe the pastures, describe what was going on. Only David would really know the analogies because of who he, who he was. He was a shepherd. So he could see the Lord as his shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie beside still waters. In those times of wilderness, tending the sheep, I think God could remember the scriptures. I mean, David could remember the scriptures and sing to God. And as I said earlier, it was David who pioneered what, was what we call worship in when we bring music, when we bring singing. He pioneered that for the pure joy and pleasure that it would bring to the Lord. And it's David who says, you know, I just want to be in your courts forever. Better is one day than thousands elsewhere. And I think David knew something about the presence of the Lord as well. Because he was so... Like, he was so adamant that the ark would come home. Because that was like the, the presence of the Lord. That was a symbol of, of God um, and his presence. 
so he he was so adamant that would come home that he even did it in a way that was un like uh you know not worthy of the way it should and someone got ended up dying and so then the fear of the lord came and he wanted it he wanted the ark to come and he in pomp and circumstance in, in everything that he had he rejoiced when it came when the presence was finally there when the ark was finally there and something that he also did was that he went and sat down in front of the ark has have you guys ever thought about that the fact that he he like he went to go he sat he sat in front of the presence and in, in it says in a lot of translations in like in front of the presence but a lot of people translate that to be the ark but he didn't get sm- smitten down like david stayed alive and i think that that is because god saw david's heart of relationship of wanting to be in relationship with him and and i think and that's what jesus came to bring to us it's not just about what you do it's about relationship with the father and david somehow years before jesus got this that it's about the relationship with the father and it's so beautiful i think god was like wow you're years before your time you're having a conversation with the father this is my father heart you know it's not religious work based but it's a relationship David was so into singing that he started 24-hour worship. He employed thousands of singers to sing night and day to the Lord. And I, it's just beautiful. He I reckon he did it just because he for the pure joy and pleasure of the Lord. It you know, it's it's not I just I just think it's beautiful. When I look at the the law god gives many different instructions and in how to like sacrifice and do offerings and where the priests are and things like that he didn't say and this is where the choir is going to stand you know david did that he's like i have an idea god what do you think and god's just like yeah sure you know and then yeah so it's beautiful i love that he was innovative as well so in his worship he what he was extravagant he didn't just do what the Torah told him to do but he looked outside the box he decided to do things differently and he wrote songs oh and he also invented his own instruments did you know that and they played the instruments that david invented and that's you can find that in 2 chronicles 29:27 and he wrote songs when he was happy he worshiped when he was sad he worshiped when he was praying he worshiped and in every situation he worshiped yeah we can learn from that as well in every situation are we worshiping the lord um will we go to worship or will we go to the ipad or will we pick up a guitar this is very good questions that i ask myself as well 2 chronicles 29 27 i think
Okay. Hmm. David was a man of honor, a man of obedience, and a worshiper. David had a contrite heart. What does that mean? Contrite. It means feeling or expressing remorse at the recognition that one has done wrong. So repentance. A repentant heart. And David, of course, he was not perfect. He did wrong. He murdered. He doubted. He sinned. But one thing he did was he was humble and contrite. When he did wrong, he admitted it and asked the Lord for forgiveness. Which is interesting for a king because he was like up there with everyone. He could tell everyone what to do, but he knew his role even as king. He knew that it, he was not the be all and end all. He knew that that was Yahweh. He took correction, and when he didn't know what he had done, because sometimes we're blind, sometimes we, our pride blinds us to our sin. Um, sometimes we need help. And the prophet Nathan came and showed him his sin and helped him to point it out. But he realized and he repented and he grieved and he prayed before the Lord. So he didn't let his sin pull him further from the Lord, but he drew himself closer to the Lord, which is what we would, our defenses would normally do. When we sin, we feel like we have to hide. We have to go away, like Adam did. You know, he had to hide from God. When David sinned and he realized it, he went straight to the Lord. And he went and sat down in front of the ark. God didn't let him get away with his sin even though he had a contrite heart. But he had to face the consequences. His son died. Um, but then through that, out of that, Samuel, no, not Samuel, Solomon came and became the next king. So God is all about restoring and, re and redeeming, even in our weakness. So in your shame and your weakness... Draw near to him. He will strengthen you. He will bring out of it. And so one question I want to ask from that, like as how, how we can learn from David, he had a contrite heart. How quickly do we recognize sin in our own lives? Do we even think that we're, you know, we've done something wrong? And... How do we react when we're con confronted by our sin? If someone 
confronts us or if maybe the Lord just confronts us, which is kind of less humiliating, maybe. How do we react? Are we defensive? No, no, no. I, I, it wasn't what I meant, and, and this is why. And if only this would have happened, I wouldn't have done that. Or is it just, yes, Lord, I'm sorry, I was a jerk. Why did it, yeah, please forgive me. So are we allowing God to keep our hearts nice and soft so that we recognize? David, um, he knew God, which we've pretty much figured out already from these stories. But he knew who God was. David went up against the giant Goliath. And he fought armies. He killed 200 men just to get their foreskins so that he could marry the daughter of Saul. Hashtag unconventional ways of getting the king's daughter. (laughs) He pursued. Talk about pursuit and determination. Like he did these things, these crazy things because he knew God and he knew God was with him. He wasn't scared. He had no fear. He knew God's character, and he let that decide what he was going to do. He let God's character decide how he was going to live his life. And he was able to say yes and do the things that he did because he knew who God was. So we are able to then honor others. We are able to obey God, worship him, have a contrite heart, because we know who God is, because we know his character, that he's never going to leave us, he's never going to forsake us. And how we live our lives is directly related to the place that God has in our lives. So our worldview of God will determine how we live out our lives. So if we believe God not to fulfill all his promises or not to like, we, if we don't trust God, then how... How are we going to live our lives, you know? So when we know that God is who he says he is, he is good, he is love, he is going to keep his promises, he, he does what he says he is, then we can live our lives out and in faith. So it's important that we know who God is. David was also hurry up little square broken and humble. We can maybe think oh well, we just talked about having a contrite heart but David lived a life of brokenness. All throughout his life he was being betrayed by close friends. His father figure Saul betrayed him wanted to kill him. His family, they didn't understand what he did. In all of this, David chose to react in love. He reacted in humility. And he had every right to take his place as king before, but he waited until it was given to him. He chose the road of humility. He chose the road of saying, not yet. 
you know, at whenever you say, Lord. Because he knew that God would fulfill his promises. He didn't try and make it happen. He knew that God said, you're going to be king or you are king. He's like, I am king. But it's up to the Lord when he grants that to me. Um, I'm reminded of a, a story from Smith Wigglesworth, just healing. And there's this, this woman, and she had like this massive tumor on her stomach. And he prayed for her, and she said, I'm healed. And, but every day, that tumor was still there, and everyone around her is going, you're not healed. Like, you still have the tumor. And she's like, I'm healed, I'm healed. And then one day she prays and says, Lord, just show them, show them that I'm healed. And he takes it away. I mean, it, it was actually healed, but she believed it was healed. She knew it. She knew she was healed. But she asked the Lord, okay, now you have to show them that it's the truth. So when God speaks to our lives, we are the ones that know what he said. It's not up to us to try and convince people. Like she couldn't, I mean, unless she chopped it off herself. But it was the Lord that had to reveal it. So when God has called you to something, if he's given you a dream, a bit like, like Joseph as well, do, there are some steps that we have to take in order to do the things that God has called us to do. Like I believe in holding on to them, reading our prophecies and walking them out. But if you're just going to go around telling everybody this is it, but not acting like that, you know, if you're going to be like, I'm king, I'm king, but then you're just treating everyone like crap. Um, or like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. God, is, God has called me into a life of ministry, but until I get there, I'm going to, I don't know, your character just looks really, really not like the character of a person who's in a life of ministry. Um, so there's, there's about knowing who we are, but allowing God to release us in that time and for him to reveal it too. Because we bear witness, we bear his story, is, is how we are living our life, reflecting the life of Jesus, reflecting who God is, and with the Holy Spirit. So yeah, David chose that road of humility. When, whenever people approach me asking for advice like I want to be a worship leader like it could be like a 17 year old like she, she you know I really want to sing and, and and I just I look at them and I and I say okay are you ready are you sure are you ready for God to test you are you ready for him to test your heart are you prepared to be brokenhearted because the life of a worship leader for me has definitely been a big big test I felt when I before I even did the school of worship I was like I don't need the school of worship I've had the school of life <laughs> my life has been so many tests from the Lord of are you willing to praise me in every circumstance even though these people are are you know betraying you or um over year Lynn Lynn over a year. Abandoned. When you feel abandoned, um, who are you going to go to? Are you going to keep praying, praising me? Are you going to keep going to me? And yeah, that all of my life, 
I've pretty much has been one big test. So then that's what I ask people. And here's a story. When I was in um, Restanas in Sweden, um, we had the... I, I was asked to come and lead a ministry. I was asked to come and kind of help the worship ministry. We, me and some friends, we were we even like, we're going to get a band together and we're going to travel around, and but we're going to organize worship on the base. Just really have been asked by the leadership to, to come and do something with regards to worship and have like a, a role of authority. But when I came, it had kind of, during the time that I was away and by the time that I staffed, it had kind of gone to somebody else. And I was like, okay. So I just stepped in and led worship whenever they, they asked me to and whenever I could and joined another team. Um, but then like, then there was still leadership was going, but I thought you were going to do this, Sam. And I, I couldn't take some, that something that somebody else was already, you know, doing and dealing with. So it was like a year a year of just swaying and seeing. And, and I was cool with that. It wasn't exactly what I had em envisioned, but I was, it was fun. I was in the, the team traveling around. And then we had the, the Y150th celebration in 2010. And I was going to be helping leading worship at that event. And we, were, we had it all at our base. And, um, and it was just a bit before then that, the leadership on the base was like, Sam, you have to take your place now and we're giving it to you. So they kind of took the authority and the decision making from this one team and put it in my hands. Like, okay, so great. This is what, and I can help you because that's what the base leadership wanted. Um, this kind of happened around the same time as the 50th and just before the 50th happened, I received an email that was really rather nasty and um, accusor accusatory, you know, like accusing me of, you know, having demons and all of this sort of thing. And I was just like, ah, okay. And I remember thinking when I read it, I was like, welcome to the life of a worship leader. I'm t meant to be leading worship to a few thousand people tomorrow. Like, of course, this would happen now. <laughs> um, what I did, though, because I knew that the, the what it could do, like it could start a root of bitterness. It could, uh, you know, it could make me fear. It could make me take me off of what I was meant to be doing that week, you know. But instead of that, I just w I went. I'm making a decision. I, well, first of all, I forwarded it to the leadership, and then I deleted it. I'm not even going to read it again because I don't want to be offended. And I'm going to make a decision to forgive this person um, with everything. Like, I'm just going to forgive and say, this person doesn't know what they're doing. And also, actually, before I even forwarded it and sent, sent it to the leadership, this is really important. I don't know why I didn't say it before. But before I did that, I actually sat down and went, Lord, is there any truth to, to what? this person is saying and I realized no okay there isn't so then then I did that because you do have to ask um, and I, I 
God affirmed me, no, this is who you are, and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, that happened. And then I, I think it was like the next day we had like a prayer and intercession time in church, uh, in the base. And I found this person, and I went up and gave them a big hug and said, you know, just, I do not want this to come between us. This is not going to be cool. Um, so that's what we did. And yeah, and it, I'm so thankful for the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to help me to do that, not to react like a jerk or like, because I had every right, you know. Someone was accusing me of something that I didn't do um, or wasn't. I could have let that give arrows to my heart as well. Um, but thankfully, the Holy Spirit had grace. So even in your ministries, even in the basis that you're at, things will happen. Your reputation will be, um, will be compromised. Someone might slander you. Someone might say something. Are you going to defend it? Or are you going to say, okay, Lord, this, I know this is not true. You have called me to be this, this, that, and the other. And just suck it up. <laughs> you know, are you going to give it to the Lord? So these things are likely to happen for those who, who, whom God calls to have broken and contrite hearts. So be ready for the tests. Be ready for those, those parts of life. And David, he was, uh, he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man of honor. He was a man of obedience. He was a worshiper, and he had a contrite heart. But he knew who God was, and he was humble and brokenhearted. Are you going to let God test your character? Are you going to allow God to prepare you to be brokenhearted? Right, we're going to meet a uh, break for snack. Yeah, come back in a little while. Yeah, come back at 
Yeah, same place. And um, oh, I'm preaching this Sunday. If anyone wants to come, let me know so I can we can organize transport and stuff. At Bridges of Light. <laughs> I'm so nervous. It's my first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. <laughs> Field trip. Yeah, I need to do the Sheraton. It's a nice place. But the I don't I think that after that they're gonna have we're gonna have like like food and there's the ocean you can swim and paddle boards and stuff. So it's really cool. All right. Uh, ready. Okay. Hang on, let me go around here. Welcome back from break. So we spoke about David and the characters, the attributes to his character, which gives him basically... The <laughs> Bless you, in Jesus' name. Um, which gives him the right to be called a man after God's own, God's own heart. What can we learn from David? And, and in that, I want us to, to know that like Holy Spirit is the one that gives us the attributes as well. Um, and that's why I believe that they um, they work really well together. Um, David probably didn't know he was before his time, but he was being moved by the Holy Spirit. Um, but we get to choose today, and we get David's um, story to help us and, and all of that. So we just kind of scratched the surface of how he earned that title. But um, David said yes to God's crazy anointing and plan over his life, and he allowed him to take God to take him on a journey of pruning, character building, leadership training, and heart surgery. He saw his best friend die and his child die. So, like, life for David was not all peachy. It was not all amazing and good. But his life was lived, and God loved him, and he knew that. Be sure what we've signed up for, you know. The School of Worship is more than three-month Y1 school. It's a whole life. It's all day, every day. It's changing. It's laying down your life for the sake of your wants and desires. Um, you're denying your flesh. You, you want more of him than your own wants and desires. Are you ready for that kind of sacrifice? That's the questions we need to ask. And like David, does, uh, does your heart yearn and long to be in the presence of the Lord forever? What happens when you're in the presence of the Lord? Sometimes it can be a little bit awkward. Because sometimes we don't really want to rest and, and really hear what the Lord has to say. Because maybe we might be afraid of what he has to say. Or maybe it's because we, have a, we don't trust him. Will you obey God at all costs, even if it makes you look stupid or foolish? These are all good questions to ask. So if you, do you want to say, if you want God to say of you, you know, Lynn has, was a woman after my own heart. Akira was a man after my own heart. Steve was a man after my own heart. Lauren was a woman after my own heart, etc., etc. Do you want God to say that? 
Are you willing to allow God to take you on that journey to get you to that place? So these are all good questions. And what I'm gonna, what we're going to do now is we're actually going to spend some time meditating on that. And we're going to do that by soaking. I have any he's like, oh, that sounds so cool. What does it mean? Yeah. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to move all the tables and chairs. And we're going to lie down on the floor. And we're going to let, basically, has anybody so done soaking before? Yeah, a few of us. So some of us are au fait. We know what it's like. Um, I'm going to take a good time, actually, and do it. Because I know the times when I've gone to soak, it's taken me a while to really get, get into it. And the point of soaking is, is to really just quiet ourselves, quiet and rest. Be still and know that he is God. And allow God to fill you. Allow God to show you him. Allow him to fill your thoughts. And it's really a position of surrender. It's a position of like, I'm not striving, I'm not doing anything. But you can strive. Even when you're soaking, you could be like, God, give me something, you know, like, talk to me, you know, I, you know. But it's getting to that place of rest. And for different people, it takes a while before you can get that place. Some, I tried once, it took half an hour before I stopped thinking of all the things I needed to do. So it's getting, quieting our spirits into a place of rest and then allowing the, the Lord to speak. Um, and what I want us to spend time, you know, meditating on as well is that, am I, is my heart obedient to you, Lord? Um, and asking, like, is there anything that I have, is there something that you've asked me to do, Lord, that I haven't done? Um, and, you know, what you should do about that and how you should change that. But uh, I will kind of lead us if, if I feel like, you know, I will lead the room. So, shall we get ready? Oh, seven. Let's stand up and pack all our stuff. And and this is a time in this soaking. Like maybe at the end, I'll I'll say bring out your journals. But we're not going to do journals yet. We're going to literally receive from the Lord. We're just going to spend time with Him. Okay, find some, s spread all out, 
We're going to soak on the floor. You can take pillows if you want. But I tried once. It made a big crick in my neck. You, you might fall asleep. Sleeping with you. Okay. You got the right idea. Okay. Yes. Okay. Maybe I'll just start by reading a few scriptures. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to move over this place. Move with your spirit, your presence, your love, your truth. We ask the spirit of truth to come and command our attention in Jesus' name. I bind all of the lies of the enemy and opinions of thoughts of ourselves and others that might try and distract us. And we ask your Holy Spirit to come with your word of truth. Speak to our hearts today in Jesus' name.
as you are just relaxing and allowing yourself to rest. Just go into some, go into a place where Jesus is and ask him to come. And ask Jesus to speak to you.
Jesus to keep taking you on a walk. Just abide in him. Abide in the vine. Go deeper with him.
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the paths, along right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me.